Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I know you guys are excited for this text already. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. God, in this relationship series, we wanna grow in our relationships. We wanna learn to love better. So God, speak to us today and we thank you for letting us be here in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for the band today. The worship team. So we are in the middle of a series. This is week three called Let Me Love You, a relationship series. We've been talking about relationships last week. Chrissy shared. I kicked it off the week before. And so today we're going to tag team together. I hope you guys are good with that. Uh, Husband and wife bringing the word together. We don't do this that often, but it's something we actually enjoy doing. And we're going to do it this week and next week together. And we've broken this up. And what we want to talk to you about today, um, this is part one, because next week is part two of this two-part little mini-message, mini-series in the series on building a strong family. I want us to be a church that has strong families. Listen to me. Family is the most important work of your life. It is the most important work you will ever do. We are actually working careers to build our families. We say this. Like, I'm working hard, I'm making money, I'm doing everything, I'm hustling, I'm grinding, why? For my family. Now, sometimes we say it, but there's not always full truth in it. Sometimes we work extra for us, but that's a whole other message. But I think that today, we felt impressed to challenge us in the, in the families we are building, that we would build strong families based on the foundation of God's word. Because there's a lot of things in this world that are telling you what your family should look like, how you should operate as a family, how you should run your family, but it must be placed here. That's why we teach from here. Because this is the foundation for how we are to live our lives. This is what sets us apart as God's people, that we live contrary to culture. We are counterculture, though we're in this culture, and we're living life according to God's word. Now, I know that some of you in here are going, but Caleb, I'm single. And you're talking about building families? This isn't really for me. No, listen to me now. Today in this 
topic of building strong families, we're going to start. Part one is going to be about building a strong marriage. And you're single, so you're like, this doesn't apply to me. But marriage is a parallel in Scripture to our relationship with God. You just saw me share it, right? And so sometimes single people come in, and when we get on the marriage topic, and we go in on the text like this, they're like, oh, I guess this is my opportunity to check out. No, 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 you need to check in. Because this is a parallel marriage for your relationship with God. So whether you're single or married in here, while there'll be some practical things about marriage, this also correlates to your relationship with God. So we need to all lock in today. Can we lock in? Like I need the kings to lock in against them doves today. We need to lock in. All right, it is game seven today in the church and at Golden One down the street. And I'm dead serious that the stakes are higher now than ever for families in this culture and this world is trying to destroy our families and destroy our marriages. Building a strong family starts with building a strong marriage. In 2010, a survey among Americans, so this was done 13 years ago, um, this was, they, they, they surveyed those 18 to 29. So those people are now 30 to 40. And here's what they found in this survey, that the majority of them, sorry, almost half of them were saying that marriage had become obsolete. And the amount of Americans right now getting married is continuing to decrease. It is, it is at its lowest rate in history in America because we don't see it as important any longer. And yet this is the foundation biblically for strong families. So you want to have a strong family, you got to have a strong marriage. You want to have a strong marriage and a strong family, you got to get and ground yourself in the Word of God, and that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, and here's the thing. The culture really has no vision for healthy family because they have no vision for healthy marriage. And what they're basing things off of is the contract that they have agreed upon on by a state or government standard. But what we have to understand is that we have a, um, a covenant with the one who created us when it comes to marriage. Co- a contract is built on mutual distrust. When there is distrust, there is not clarity. When there is covenant, then covenant is built off of mutual trust. Not just trust in each other, but trust in the one who brought us together, right? So if there's mutual trust, there's clarity. But what we're seeing is that this world doesn't have clarity, doesn't have a clear vision for their marriage, so they have no clear vision for their family. They think it's obsolete, so they're like, well, that's not even a thing. So they have no vision. But we believe that the vision is the engine that propels our family forward. So where do we get our vision? Is it a dream? Is it after we watch a Disney movie when Aladdin and Jasmine finally got together? Was it when Belle married the beast and the girls said, I'll marry the guy who's not that cute and I'm not attracted to, so that's my vision for marriage? There's all kinds of visions that people have based off of the things that they've watched, the shows that they've watched. I know you all have been watching Virgin River. I'm trying not to think me. of some. I, know, I don't know a lot of she other shows. She watched it without me, That's church. Not I'm not going to lie. Okay, I said, no, pleasure. thank okay, you. On. So the vision that we have to have is a biblical vision. And the biblical vision that we have is a garden. 
where Adam and Eve came together was a garden and he was, we were called to work. The garden is something that we've been called to work, to weed, to prune, to fertilize, to grow, to nourish. How many people know that when you don't attend to your gardens, it gets crazy. And then there's some structures sometimes that you almost think that some weeds are like, oh, wow, that's, that's actually kind of cool looking and big. And it's like, no, 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 do not be deceived. You're being confused because you have not been tending to the garden. You have not been pruning things. Oh, I could talk about the millions of things that we are needing to prune in our relationships, but we're going to carry on. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to you about the work we got to do. And the work we have to do is a choice. And so we want to share, we got a lot of notes for you, so this is going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant a little bit, all right? So we're going to go quick, stick with us. If you're taking notes, write it down, jot it down quick. But we want to talk to you about the choices of a strong marriage, because you have to choose to build a strong marriage, and then when you build a strong marriage, you will in turn build a strong family. So next week, come back, we're going to tag team part two of Building Strong Families, and we're going to talk more about communication and connection. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun, too, so be here. Yeah, but your first choice that we want you, if you're taking notes, to write down is, number one, the choices of a strong marriage starts with, number one, the the choice of Christ first. Choose Christ first. Choose Christ first. Christ is written all over Ephesians 5. We're taking on the example of who Jesus is, who Christ is. So who are you emulating? Who are you becoming? That You are becoming Christ if you're on a journey with Christ. It's the, the journey of becoming formed into the likeness of Christ. Sometimes we think that choosing marriage is choosing our spouse first. It's not. <laughs> It's choosing who brought you together where the trust resides. The trust is going, to be, is, is going to be broken at times here. Like there are times where he said he was going to clear the dishwasher and he did not. Okay? There are times where I said I would be on time and I was not. The trust was broken. But we have to trust in something greater than ourselves. And that comes about by choosing to trust Jesus first. Who, what he brought together, no man can tear apart, not even the people that were brought together. Do you hear me? Choose Christ first. And when we choose Christ first, he keeps us together. When Christ is at the center and he brings us together, he keeps us united. And when there's unity, and we're going to talk about this more next week, when there's unity, there's connection. But it's amazing to me how many professionals, relationships, professionals are telling you maybe you just need space no sir separation isn't a good thing and very 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 unique cases and I hope to God that you are asking from really great godly counselors before you choose to separate what God brings together no man no professional should ever bring apart or try to Mm-hmm. Trust God. Choose Christ first. Yeah, throw verse 23 for me. As Chrissy was talking about this, this is what we're talking about. The husband head of the wife, as Christ, let's focus on that part, Christ is the head of the church. So who's the church? That's us. The church is not a building, it's a people. We are the church. You are the church. You house and you are the living embodiment of the church wherever you go. When you're out in your job, when you're at your, in your neighborhood, um, at the grocery store, 
you are the church and Jesus, right? We have to choose him first, put him at the head of our lives. Because sometimes we say this, like choose Christ first. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, it means he is the one that we serve, we live for, we follow. And a great practical way to choose Christ first is to prioritize the house and the church that he's called you to be a part of. So some of us husbands and wives, if we don't prioritize even being here, and then we wonder why we don't feel close to God and why we're struggling in our marriage and, and struggling putting Jesus first because we don't even put attending church first. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing today, but you chose to be here. So everybody pat yourself on the back right now. Do it. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Say, good job. I chose it. You could, you could have been, you know, prepping for the game, but you came. And I'm glad you're here. This is you choosing Jesus first, putting Christ first. Second choice of a strong marriage, you got to choose wisely. Now listen to me. This is going to be for married couples and single couples. Married couples, hear me. If you chose them and you married them and you're now in covenant with them, they are the one. Because I hear people talk about the one, and so what happens is I fall out of love. I'm not feeling anymore. The honeymoon stage has waned. We're fighting a little bit. We're not getting along. And they go, well, she just must not be the one. I got to go find the one. Because it can't be her because it wouldn't be this hard if, 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 if she was the one. There's somebody else. No, no. If you married her, you're in covenant with her. She is now the one. God gave you the chance to choose. Whether you feel like you messed it up or not doesn't matter. You chose, and now she's the one, and I got to work for it. And can I tell you, there is no perfect marriage. We can stand up here, and we put our best fits on today, and uh, I got my summer cut going for you, and um, some of you are like, what's going on? And, and we showed up, and this looks pretty. Instagram looks pretty. We have had challenges in our 14 years of marriage. It has been hard at times. There has been tears and fights and things flying across the room. I'm not going to point any fingers, but... But in all that, I don't go, oh, I chose wrong. No, no. I don't go, oh, there must be another one. No, I go, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to work at this. Now, single people, this part's for you. Choose wisely. Everybody say, choose wisely. I know you're desperate right now. I can't believe I'm not married yet. Choose wisely. Be patient. This is a choice that you cannot undo. Choose wisely. Because once you choose, you're in it to win it. So single people, be patient. Uh, before God, fearfully, may you make the wise choice with who the person is that God has for you. Let's choose wisely. And third, we got to choose thankfulness. Thankfulness. An attitude of gratitude. Here's what I've seen. In our, in our marriage... We, we get in one fight on Tuesday, and it lasts an hour. And then guess what happens? The rest of the week, all I associate with our relationship is fighting. And so I wake up every morning, I can't believe she talked to me like that. I can't believe she was so frustrating. I can't believe she's nagging me, blah, blah, blah. And what we forget is all the good things we have to be thankful for in a marriage. Like, I had one bad hour with my wife 
out of seven days, but I want to focus on the negative. I want to focus on the lack. I want to focus where she's not showing up for me. Can I tell you, if we wake up in the, in the morning with a mindset of thankfulness, man, I have so much to be grateful for. There's so much that she is a blessing for in my life and to in my life. I mean, I want to have an attitude of gratitude. What I found is when I have that mindset, it carries over into how I treat her, how we connect, how our marriage is. And so may we choose thankfulness. I know there's frustrating things about your spouses. There may be frustrating things about being single right now. Yeah. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to have an attitude of gratitude yeah. today. I'm going to be thankful today. Because yeah. thankfulness changes our perspective. And it is, it is a working in the yeah. garden of our marriage yeah. that produces good fruit. Yeah. So let's choose thankfulness. It was, it was so good. That's so good. There's so many examples you gave of um, that hour of the fight. What are the reasons that I bless you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you practice the gratitude. Like restate and celebrate the thing. Okay. Anyways. You want me to go through <laughs> no, the list? No, okay. I just wanted you all to know it's there. Okay. <laughs> There's too many to list there. <laughs> So fourth, we need to choose humility. Now this happens first through choosing gratitude, just like Caleb said, but it says this in verse 20, giving thanks always, giving thanks always. You hear that? It precedes humility. Gratitude is a precursor to humility. And then it goes on to verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, here's the thing, submitting to one another. I have heard this word, and I wanna write a book one day, and it's going to redefine what submit means. But oftentimes, submission has become a tool of a, for an aggressor over somebody to oppress the other. And sometimes, submission from the person being oppressed, oppressed can even be a, an opportunity for manipulation. Submission has got to be motivated by verse 21 out of reverence for Christ. Yeah. I'm not submitting so that my husband, I can, I can get him on my good side. You know, I'm not submitting or he's not submitting to me, the mutual submission, we'll talk about that in a sec, so that he can get me to do something else. We've got to understand that submission happens and it's the most humble when it's not for the other person, it's for reverence to God first. Because who do you answer to first? The king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. If we're walking hum humility, our submission is motivated by our love for God first. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting is another way of choosing humility and understanding our roles in a marriage. When we understand submitting and humility, we understand what it means to choose Christ. And here's what I mean. First, let me say this by John Piper, a quote, <clears throat> a pastor and a theologian. He says this, the roles of marriage are both defined by Christ's self-denying work on the cross so that their pride and selfishness are canceled, are canceled. <laughs> So some of us, we just need to get to the place where our, our pride and our selfishness are canceled. And the only way that can be canceled is by understanding how to live and move like Christ. And here's the opportunity that every single one of us have. Men and women, we have an opportunity to emulate Jesus. We have an opportunity to become more like Jesus. And when we become more like Jesus, then we're doing and being everything that he has called us to be and do as daughters and sons of Christ. So this has to happen first before we can humble ourselves to one another. We have to understand our roles. First, women, 
You submit to your husbands the way that Christ submitted to God when God brought him and sent him down to this earth to live a life on earth and submit to the call that he had to die. Do you hear me? Women, we get to be like Christ as we submit to our, our husband like Christ submitted to God. But here we go. Men, you also have the opportunity to be more like Jesus. When you're like Jesus, when you love your wife well, you're becoming like Jesus. Because it says that you submit once to another and husbands love your wives the way that Christ loved the church. You get to be more like Christ by loving your wife. Both are examples of who Christ is. So the unifying factor, the being one in Christ, is when both of us are acting more like Jesus. It's not when we're bowing down to a role that the Bible tells us to be. That's religious. Jesus cancels out religion, selfishness, and all the junk. The gospel says, be more like Jesus, and he will make your marriage right. He will set, I mean, some of us get so fixated on rules. And when you are so fixated on rules, rules, regulations, ooh, be careful of being religious. There's religious spirits all over the church when we talk about this topic. And I just want to declare in Jesus' name that those religious spirits must be canceled if we're going to have a healthy community. Yeah, it's good. Healthy marriages. So we, we I kind of jumped ahead and kind of hit this, but just for your notes, number five is choose commitment. This idea that we are committed fully, that we would not be the person trying to separate. Because yeah. I've seen it where once the falling out of love happens, it, the feelings aren't there because we are a culture based on feelings uh, rather than obedience to the covenant we've made. When the feelings change, then often one person will start to disconnect. They'll start trying to separate. That you would choose commitment no matter how hard it is. And it will get hard. Yeah. I've not seen a marriage yet that did not get hard. And if you have it, please come talk to me. I need advice, all right? It will get hard. No matter how long you've been married, it will get hard. But that you choose commitment. One thing that isn't allowed in our house is the D word. I'm talking about divorce. It is not a threat to be used. It's not a word that's spoken. That word never comes out of our mouth. Why? Because it's not even an option. Why? Because I've chosen commitment. I've chosen covenant. And I'm not going anywhere no matter how hard it gets. I'm working. So choose commitment. Next, we have to choose communication. And I want you to understand that choosing communication is a unifying factor. Division happens in our hearts before we even utter a word. Yeah, so if communication is an opportunity for us to be united with one another, then we have to be on guard of division. If division happens in our hearts before we utter a word, we have to understand that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, yeah. right? If the over, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, then man, be careful. What is not communicated, I want you to hear this. What is, isn't communicated, excuse me, what isn't communicated is felt. How many people have felt away when somebody was not communicating with you? When is, what isn't communicated is felt, and what is felt is interpreted. How many people feel something, and you're like, oh, they must think this. This is what's happening, and you develop stories in your minds, right? So what is felt is interpreted, interpreted, excuse me, what is interpreted is often inaccurate. 
there's some people walking around with assumptions, presumptions, and we know what happens. Never mind, I'm going to tell you what assuming means or what does. It makes an, okay. We know. Okay, just, I just want, I wanted to hear it laugh. Yeah. So before you communicate, before you walk around with a lot of misunderstanding, that's what's happening in relationships. When there's not communication, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Communication, hard conversations, crucial conversations, these are so important in order to have healthy relationship. So I want you to ask three questions. First one, am I going to communicate recoiling? If you're in the middle of an argument or if you're in the middle of a debate, if you're in the middle of sharing your feelings, you have to ask yourself, am I going to communicate recoiling? Recoiling to me looks like inauthenticity. It looks like not being totally honest and holding back. It's not being free to be vulnerable. Am I going to communicate recoiling? Pause. Someone say pause. And this is the answer to the next two questions, okay? So the next question, am I going to communicate retaliation? When you communicate retaliation, you're communicating unforgiveness. So if there's unforgiveness in your heart and you're about to communicate with the intent to retaliate, you need to? Pause. Pause. Am I going to communicate, this is the third question, am I going to communicate resentment? It's really not if you're going to communicate it, but how are you gonna communicate it? Because a lot of times if there's resentment in our hearts and it comes out, we need to stop and pause. pause. If you don't pause, then you will retaliate and retaliation often leads to regrets. So the goal for all of us, and this is a really, really quick communication one-on-one opportunity, but communication, communicate clearly and truthfully. Last week I talked about it. Communicate the truth and love. If you really love people, you're gonna communicate at all. And I'm talking about communication isn't just talking. It's your behaviors. It's your, um, your, your closeness to somebody, your nearness to somebody. It's your behaviors. Communicate clearly and truthfully. But here's what happens. In passive communication, if you're taking notes, passive communication is like saying, you matter, but I don't. Do you hear me? Have you ever had somebody passive in your life just acquiesce to everything that you want and sometimes uncomfortable? It's like, no, whatever you want, whatever you want. That's saying that you matter, but the person communicated doesn't. Not healthy, okay? Another form of communication, aggressive communication. Aggressive communicators, they say that I matter, you don't. And let me tell you, aggression happens a lot, whether you're the victim or you're the, um, or the, or the person who is being the aggressor, okay? Victims can also be aggressive in their communication. So aggressive communication is saying, I matter, you don't. But this is the most, the next form of communication is the most sophisticated and really so unhealthy. Passive, aggressive communication. It's saying, you matter, yeah, actually, no, you don't. It's saying, you matter, no, actually, I matter. Do you hear me? And it's, it's, it's that progression. But I want you to understand that sophisticated form of communication is tearing our relationships apart. The lack of communication, tearing our relationships apart. We've got to learn that the goal of communication is not agreement. Yeah. It's not always agreement. You know that submission isn't always agreement? There's been some choices and decisions that each of us have made and we've had to whew, just, just agree. But I want you to understand, the goal of communication is not agreement, it's understanding. And when there's understanding, there's us becoming more like Christ because Christ is the most empathetic person that has ever walked the earth. Also, the goal of communication is not to be right. 
listen, that aggressive communication, passive aggressive communication, it's just a means to prove that you're right and that you matter. The goal is understanding. And God's heart is that he would understand you, you would understand him, and that understanding brings you reconciliation. Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Communicate gently, truthfully, and honestly. The final two that we need to choose, they, they go together, they go hand in hand, which is choose submission and choose to serve. And we wanna close with these two. Choose submission and choose to serve. So first we have to understand what biblical submission is because it's something that's been twisted. You heard it said, and we read it in chapter five, verse 21. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it goes on in the very next verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands, ask the Lord. And it gives us our roles as husbands and wives. So it starts, though, with a mutual submission. That's why we talk about it. We've said there is a mutual submission in marriage. And it's something that isn't taught well in the church. And so we've twisted this and we've said, well, I'm the head as the husband. I'm not the tail. So submit to me. And that means you do what I say. That's not what this scripture is saying. First, there is a mutual submission. Now hear me, this doesn't say women submit to men. So if you're in here and a man's trying to tell you to submit to them, no, no, they don't have that authority in your life. It says husbands and wives. That's where the submission comes in, only in marriage. But the mutual submission is this idea that we are in this covenant together and there is a humility that we both carry with one another in how we operate in this relationship. But it does give us roles. And I love that God laid it out and gave us clear guidelines because how many of you know if you've ever been in an organization or on a team and you don't know where you stand and there's a lot of ambiguity, that's where frustration comes in, isn't there? there there's order because God is a God of order. And so then he goes on, he said, husbands, right, or wives, submit to your husbands, as to the Lord. Husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself his savior. Now as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So how does this play out? I've taught this to our church before, but you may be new, you haven't heard this. How does this play out? Well, first of all, there's a mutual submission, but then God gave me the role as head, as the husband over my wife. So how do I exercise that authority? Well, first of all, I'm called to lead my wife and be the head by being like Christ. And what did Christ do? He was the head of the church by dying for it. So the problem in marriage is husbands are saying, submit, but they don't want to die. Like, I'm not trying to die for anybody. Just submit. No, no, you're called to be more selfless as the head. So you have a greater call to serve and to sacrifice for your spouse. And then wise with your role of submission, biblical submission, and being in a, a different role and submitting to your husbands, what does that look like? Well, here's how it plays out in, in our relationship. This is how I've taught our church. That in our relationship, we make decisions together. Like, we're not gonna make a big decision without consulting one another, sharing with one another, telling each other our desires, our heart, uh, uh, what we love, what we want. But then we make a decision together. 
Now, how does the headship work? If ever we are at odds, I am the tiebreaker. To me, that's what headship looks like. That if ever we're at odds, we cannot come to an agreement, I'm the tiebreaker. Now, can I tell you something? In 14 years of marriage, we've never had to get to that point. Because first of all, if I'm loving her the way Christ loved the church and died for it, then I'm going to often say, well, am I putting my own desires over her desires? My needs over her needs? No, I'm gonna use wisdom, and if I'm feeling like I'm hearing from the Lord, I gotta share that with her. And then we've often changed each other's opinion on a big decision because we were humble enough to come together and to discuss it and to share it and then to, to step into the call that God gave us biblically from Ephesians chapter five. This is what serving looks like. This is what mutual submission and choosing submission looks like. And so, husbands, wives, can I just challenge you? We need to build strong marriages. That's what builds strong families. We have to step into our roles and into this, this space of serving and submission more than ever before. We don't need to get afraid of this text. We need to embrace it and step into it and say, what does that look like for me? What does that look like in our marriage? We need to talk about it. And we need to prioritize this. I've seen it in marriages all the time where the kids are the priority. And I get it. There's a lot of extracurriculars. These kids are important. They matter. But this matters most because our family will not be healthy if our marriage is not healthy. Our children will not be healthy if they don't see two uh, people that love each other well. I want my, my kids to see me hug and kiss and smooch. And the other day, my, my son said, Dad, why are you always grabbing mommy's butt? I said, because God blessed me with it. I want him to see me being affectionate and loving and over the top towards my wife. Because you know what message that sends? I know it's funny, but you know what message that sends? It sends, wow, my parents love each other. They're affectionate towards one another. My children have never been worried about our marriage, our relationship, our love. Why? Because we show them that we love each other. And then there's times where we go on date nights and they get mad. Dad, you're gonna leave us? Heck yes, see you later. I need time with her. I need to serve her. She needs to serve me. We need to serve one another. We need to step into the God-given roles that he has for us. So we wanna close. I do believe that marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church. You see, there's a higher goal than just having a happily ever after. Do you hear me? There's a higher goal than just having a happily ever after. Christ loves his church and gave his life for it. And I think today, some of you came here and this was God's doing. He brought you here and is presenting you with a choice to follow him and to receive his love. And you're in here and you're hearing about relationships and love and you realize that you are not walking in the greatest relationship of all time, which is a loving relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, a good Father who sees you and loves you and created you and put his fingerprint upon you and wants relationship with you. And so today on this Building Strong Families Sunday, Building a Strong Marriage Sunday, some of you need to step into the loving relationship with the Savior that you've been running from for far too long. 
So with heads bowed and eyes closed across this room, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond if that's you. You've been running from Jesus. You've been running from God. Maybe you turned your back on him. You haven't been in a right relationship with him. I want you to lift your hand right now. Go, put it up. Slip it up. Let me see it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I've seen hands all around the room. I, I can't even count them all. Come on, church, give God some praise. You can put them down. Pray this with me. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, today I receive your love. I want relationship with you, my good Father. Take my sin. Forgive me. Change me from the inside out. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.